0: My approach to getting you more sleep is simple, straightforward, but above all, it's got to make sense and feel best for you. Ready to get more sleep? Then let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Carrot Out Sleep Show. You are listening to your host, Kerry Secker, infant sleep consultant, founder of my unique sleep approach to Out and on a mission to get you and your small a settled night's sleep without tears or training Big welcome to episode 20 of The Sleep Show. I honestly can't believe we're at episode 20 already. Um, And whether you are a seasoned listener of the podcast, um, a sleep stalker, as you like to call yourselves, or you've just discovered this podcast for the first time, big welcome and i really hope as always that you find this episode reassuring informative and reassuring because that's all that's always my intention and that's all i ever want for these little podcasts so on with the show episode 20 bedtime boundaries q and a so i thought for this show i'm going to try something a little bit different and I'm going to have a QA and a session. And the Q&A session is going to be all about bedtime boundaries. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to split the show into two parts. The part first part is I'm going to go through what a bedtime boundary is, go through the bedtime boundary basics. And then once I've gone through that, the second part of the show, I am going to... Um, Answer some of the questions you sent in. So, a while ago, I can't remember if it was the end of last week or the beginning of this week, I put out on my Facebook and Instagram, um, I just said I'm doing a QA session for the next podcast. Do you have any questions on bedtime boundaries or how your small goes to sleep? And I got sent loads as you can imagine. So I'm going to try and do my best. I can't answer them all because I honestly got sent hundreds but I'm going to do my best to answer a good six or seven and dig into them a little bit deeper and I really really hope that helps you and your small um, settle to sleep at bedtime a little bit better. So let's start with what a bedtime boundary is. So you might have heard a bedtime boundary being called lots of different things but the most common ones are sleep prop, negative sleep association crutch i don't know what it is about the word crutch i really dislike that word um i don't know what it is about that word maybe it's because it rhymes with crutch but i really dislike that word and i really am on a mission to move that the shame around sleep because i think there's so much of it so i don't call um bedtime boundaries how your small goes to sleep any of those things And on my approach there's no right or wrong bedtime boundary, it's simply what is working for you and what works for your small as well. So some common examples of bedtime boundaries, um, these are the most common ones but I've definitely seen um, some variations of them over the year, often really funny ones, Um, we all do things really differently. But the most common examples of bedtime boundaries that I see in practice are feeding to sleep, whether that's the breast or the bottle. Bouncing to sleep, rocking to sleep, cuddling to sleep, sitting with your little one whilst they're going to sleep. I think they're the most common ones, but they are, there are some variations of them. But a bedtime boundary is simply what you what you do or what your small needs to get to sleep. That's a bedtime boundary. And as I mentioned before there really is no right or wrong on my approach it is just what works it will for me it will always always come back to that and for some smalls probably the majority um i don't add it all up but for the majority of smalls and families i speak to they are fed bounced fed to sleep you could swing them around your head and plop them in the cot from another room i wouldn't suggest you do that by the way but you could do that and at nighttime they are they're either sleeping through. Yep, I've seen hundreds of babies, infants smalls, toddlers small, that's why I call them small, feed, bounce, cuddle, sit with them while they go to sleep at bedtime and they do sleep through, they stitch every single sleep cycle, or they're waking up for the feeds that they genuinely need at nighttime, or they are at what I call their biological best. And that's brilliant bedtime boundary. If it's not an issue for you, it's not, and it's not an issue for your small. It's working. We don't need to change it. However, for some smalls, and it's definitely not all. I don't buy into this one size fits all small. Um, but for some, how they go to sleep, it blocks the stitching of the sleep cycles, and I call this the bedtime boundary block and this is because nobody technically sleeps through the night it is one of the worst sleep slogans ever we are really vulnerable when we're sleeping we need to sleep because we need to shut down completely rest restore replenish download our memories consolidate our learnings um there's so much to sleep but when we do that we are really vulnerable we have no idea what's going on in our bodies we have no idea what's going on in our environment so to um Make sure that we're keeping ourselves. We wake up numerous times during the night and do what I call change checks and checking with ourselves we do this as adults everybody does this from four months old we don't really remember doing it it's quite an innate process you might notice it i tend to notice i do it more um i definitely notice it more if i've had a couple of glasses of wine in the evening and i sometimes notice it more in the early hours of the morning as well from 3am or 3am onwards when our melatonin levels our sleep hormones start to decrease um but we all do it and we don't even notice we're doing it and for some little ones what can happen is they're fed rocked bound um cuddle to sleep at bedtime then when they wake up they check in with themselves they they do their change checks they realize that there's a change from how they went to bed i.e they're not on the parent the parents not there and um, they're not feeding they're not being rocked there's no motion that can mean a compromise to their safety, which I know sounds really super drastic, doesn't it? But that's all we're doing um, in life is surviving, especially at night, let alone in life, but at nighttime. And they'll notice it very quickly, and then they'll need whatever they had at bedtime to, um, to tell their bodies that it's safe enough to go back to sleep. As I mentioned before, for some smalls, it doesn't have an impact at all, no matter what time of the night. For some, you might find the first part of the night is a little bit more settled. Um, they might wake up, um, but if they do, they wake up and quick quick feed, quick rock, quick pack, quick resettle, and they're back down this is because the melatonin levels are at the highest um, at the beginning of the night as the night goes on especially past midnight magic midnight when the melatonin levels sleep hormones start to decrease what can happen then is that the bedtime boundary can they might need more of it they may might wait more frequently for it they may need more of it or you it might stop working altogether and that's when you can get into a position And that's a time of night where you might find yourself having to feed, rock, cuddle them constantly to actually keep them asleep so i hope that makes sense i'm really passionate about sleep making sense to you because i can't do anything unless i I must be a very annoying person unless i understand the reason why Um, and i really hope that gives you some insight um, into what's going on with your small when they're waking at night time so as a sleep summary then for bedtime boundaries bedtime boundaries is simply how your small goes to sleep at bedtime or what they need to get to sleep I honestly don't believe in sleep props, negative sleep association, crutches. Um, it is just, there's no right or wrong. It's just what works for you and what is working for your small and their sleep. For some, the majority of smalls um, I speak with or I talk to parents, the feeding, the bedtime boundary doesn't block the stitching of the sleep cycles and they either sleep through or wake up for the feeds that they need. But for some smalls, not all, the bedtime boundaries can block the stitching of the sleep cycles at nighttime. Because it comes back to there's a difference when they wake up and do their change checks, there's a difference, and they need that to um, whatever happened at bedtime to tell their body that it's okay to go back to sleep. It's a real individual thing, every small is different, and I take every family, every small at face value and where they are at. So, when to change a bedtime boundary. I bedtime boundaries is one of the it is it's not one of the it isn't one of the it is the last thing I look at I look at I have four sleep steps originally called my four sleep steps for settle night sleep um these are naps and bedtime so timings I look at those first bedtime routine aka preparation for sleep separation um and then how what's actually happening at night time supporting them to stitch their sleep cycles together at night time and then bedtime boundaries is the last thing and the reason why I look at them last is because it is very rare it's usually it's more likely to be other things than the bedtime boundary and putting all your other sleep steps in place often for many families means that you don't need to change the bedtime boundaries and also bedtime boundaries really is only an issue unless it's an issue for you or your little one i.e it comes back to if it's working for you all as well so the only time i really suggest changing a bedtime boundary is if it's not working for you it's not working for your small or you um want to change it I'm a massive massive fan in doing it will always come back down to is it working for you and if it's working for you all is well but if it isn't working for you your family your small your home your life logistics then nine times out of ten we can make changes with care so if you're if, if you're happy it's working for you all is well um, and you're happy rocking holding bouncing feeding to sleep please, please, please don't feel pressure um, that you need or must need to change this. And there's honestly no need to change a single thing. Um, and my only sleep suggestions really if you are happy to um if if you're happy with your bedtime boundary and it's working for you is to keep it up it only needs changing when you want to change it or it's not working for your small try to keep it as simple as possible like if they're fed rock to sleep it's absolutely fine to do that it's not a bad habit ride for your own back but i would try and keep it as simple as possible stick to one or two things if you can ideally one but one or two things and if you can i would try to um, transfer them to the cot or their bed or their crib or ninja roll away as soon as they're asleep on my approach it's not about getting them to fall asleep independently um, unless we need to Um, it's absolutely okay to have them on you and to stay with them until they're all the way asleep but sometimes um, transferring them straight away or ninja rolling away can help them stitch their sleep cycles at night time if you would like to change their bedtime boundary um, I I honestly believe that changes can be made with care um, and you don't need to do... Um, again, I have always prefaced this with I'm not anti-anything. It's control crying, crying out is not my bed bag, mainly because from my experience, I've never had to do it with the children that I looked after um, and it's very rare that it, it's, it's needed to do. There's other things that we can try first, but it doesn't mean that I'm completely against it. Um, but if you would like to get to the point where you would like to change their bedtime boundary and you don't want to do that doesn't feel right for you because if it doesn't feel right chances are it's not the best thing for you and your family because your guts don't fib your gut is good feelings don't fib um I do believe that you can make changes with care if you want to, and my suggestion would be to try to get to a point where your bedtime boundary is as simple as possible. And my biggest tip is to try and I always encourage parents to lose that expectation that you're going to go from where you are now to where you would like to be in one fell swoop. So, for example, uh, an example of this is I work with a lot of. Um, Parents that do want to stop feeding for not because I think it's a bad habit or rod for their own back because they want to, and then I'm all, always would always support them. Um, and they for whatever reason they want to stop or get them to sleep in their cot. My I always encourage them to um, let go of the expectation that we are just going to be able to go from feeding on you or falling asleep on you in the cot and walking out the door and then being able to fall asleep really really quickly or without any support because I'll be honest with you that is a little bit unrealistic and this is because it's a massive massive change for them and it's the same for us we can't just get in a car and and drive a car we have to learn how to do it you don't go out and just climb Everest um, without doing any plan without doing any steps in between so my biggest tip here or my biggest sleep suggestion is to try and lose that expectation that you're going to go from where you are now to where you want to be in one swoop. My whole approach is that we step it down into more manageable steps and that tends to make it more manageable, more sustainable, more comfortable for both parents, for both you and your small The other one is consistency is often key. Um, I talk about consistency all the time. You must be bored of me saying consistency. But it is quite important because doing the same thing over and over again it's really boring that repetition but doing the same thing over and over again your small comes to realize very quickly what's happening they know what's happening they can expect it they can anticipate it and that makes them feel safe and secure so consistency is often the key when changing a bedtime boundary doing one thing at a time step it down a bit and do it for a period of time again i call it amazon prime patience and i am I do this all the time. If something hasn't happened quick enough, my Insta browser isn't working quick enough, or I can't think quick enough, I get really annoyed. And I'm just like, why is this not working? And then I have to remind myself that we are so conditioned to want everything really quickly now, Amazon Prime patients, that some things do just take a little bit of time. The... Other thing when we're changing bedtime boundaries is to, em- we have to embrace and let go of that expectation again. They are going to get overtired when we try something and you are going to worry that they're getting overtired. This is completely normal and natural because any, any change we make to bedtime boundaries, change is strange and they go on high alert. And that means it's completely normal for them to take a little bit longer to settle to sleep at bedtime. So I hear this all the time um, from um, families in practice. They are really worried that they're going to get overtired and I encourage us to embrace this if we know that we want to change bedtime boundaries or it's impacting sleep they are going to get overtired um in the short term but usually what tends to happen three or four days and babies are very very or smalls are very adaptable and they usually catch up with themselves and that that overtiredness is usually um very short term you are going to worry about them getting overtired this is completely natural I, I probably don't help talking about overtiredness all the time um But that's something to to think about. And then the other one is it takes time to expect that it's going to take a little bit of time. Again, Amazon Prime patients, we're not just going to stop feeding or stop rocking and they get to sleep straight away. It is going to take time for them to get the hang of doing something new. And again, that driving analogy, I love an analogy, where it took, well, it took me five times to pass my driving test. Can anybody beat that? Um, But it's the same for us. We don't just do a new skill, um, get in a car and we're able to drive. It takes time for that to feel comfortable and for us to feel consistent with it. And then if you're looking for some tools to actually move away from feeding, whether that's breast or bottle, cuddling, rocking or sitting with them, um, I get asked this a lot. So I've listened to you guys and I've got a Bedtime Basics... um, No, not Bedtime Basics, Bedtime Boundaries um, e-course. And this goes through all that I share with you, all the tools that I use in um, my private practice with families. It's in a really short, concise... um, course for you, 29 and what I do is I'll put the link in the bio but that is if you're looking to change your bedtime boundaries that is where um, I would signpost you to, all my tools are in that. Right, on with the QA. I'm excited. I've got my little piece of paper here. I've got my cup of tea. So what I'm going to do now is I hope you found that really useful, a bit of an insight. If you haven't heard me talk about bedtime boundaries before, that's a really good introduction, I think. Really good sleep summary of the bedtime boundary basics. And what I'm going to do now is answer some of your questions on bedtime boundaries. Um I can't remember how many I've got. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I think I've got eight or nine questions. It might be a little bit more than I said, but we'll see how we get on. So question number 1 does how they go to sleep impact frequent waking so as i mentioned before that yes for some it can impact their stitching of the sleep cycles at night time but not all smalls will do that. Um, and my I don't believe that there is this one size fits all small baby, child, toddler, and I don't believe there's this one size fits all perfect sleep scenario that we're all heading for. So at night time, it will I will always ask that question, how is it feeling to you? How is it feeling to the parents? And to answer this question, I think I already answered it before, but for some smalls, Going, going, no, hang on, let's start again. For the majority of smalls, how they go to sleep, they're rocked, bounced, fed, cuddled, sung to, singing wannabe at the top of your voice. They go into their cot or into their bed and they stay, they either stay asleep, they don't wake up, they don't need anything overnight time, or they're at their biological best where they are waking up for the feeds they need. So that how they go to sleep isn't impacting the frequent wake up. However, for some, and I definitely see some in practice how they go to sleep can impact the frequent waking. And when it comes to frequent waking, I'm not going to stop showing that message because I think it's so super important that it is natural and normal for smalls to wake up at night time and have needs and feeds, but there's balance within that. And if it's not if it's unsustainable, not working for you, um, it's having an impact on everything on your family life, you want to change it for whatever reason, that's the reason, that's the only time that I would change it. So it really does depend on the small. Yes, sometimes it doesn't impact frequent waking, sometimes it it does, um, and it, for some smalls, changing the bedtime boundaries, that is the missing piece to getting to a settled night's sleep. It's usually with older ones from six months plus um, that it makes a difference. Um, And I will always check that first before working with a family as well. I think that's really important. So, question number two. Can I change the bedtime boundary if my small is bed-begging? so bed begging is something that you might have heard me talk about but bed begging is just when your small is really unsettled in the run-up to bedtime they are and they might be unsettled having their dinner rubbing their eyes trying to fall asleep in their dinner that's quite common and um, they might be quite tearful getting into the bath coming out of the bath they might be having a bit of pajama drama on the other side of the bath where you're getting them into their pajamas and they're crying and upset um Basically, bed begging is when they're a little bit overtired and they could do with bedtime a little bit earlier. Yes, you can change the bedtime boundary when if your small is bed begging. And again, sometimes that really is the key to nudge um, families forward with that. But my suggestions would be to make sure that they are, and you can't always get for some families, it, this is really important for some families, you can't always get to the point. Where they're not bed begging, or that their naps are nailed, because for some, it is the bedtime boundary bit that's the missing piece that pulls everything together. Because everything's linked to your small diet, going to the toilet, digestion. Um, did I just say going to the toilet? Going to the toilet, sleep behavior, and it's the same with sleep. Everything's linked. So naps, nights, first nap, second nap, cat nap, bedtime routine, bedtime boundary. That's why I look at absolutely everything because it's all linked. Um. And for some little ones, we it's we can't get to that point where they're not overtired before changing the bedtime boundaries. But if we don't change the bedtime boundaries, it's not moving them forward. It's rare, but that does happen. I'm trying to be really honest with you. Um, but yes, you can change the bedtime boundary if your small is bed begging. But I would suggest making sure that you've got the naps as best as you can. You might not get the naps nailed, but just making sure that they're the um, the. That, 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 that their naps, that they've got naps, I feel like I'm really waffling here, just check the naps, they are going the best they can. And if you'd like some guidance on naps and nap gaps, I've got a free video which I will put in the um, show notes for this. The other one is if they're really bed begging you might need to shorten down and speed up the bedtime routine so yep yeah, 20-30 minutes is a really decent time for a bedtime routine but if they're tired the priority really is getting them down to bed ASAP so you can leave out the bath or shorten the bath give them a wash leave out the bath I promise you that's not why they're waking up in the middle of the night going ah where's my bath feel free to leave out a story or a really super long wind down um yeah just speed up and clop through the bed bedtime routine a little bit more and then the other one that could really help if your little one is really bed begging would be to try and bring the bedtime um like settling a lot earlier and seeing if that helps that's what I would usually do and if the it's very, very common in practice that I will see lots that smalls are already tired at bedtime. My suggestion would be to go really super slowly. That's why I do the whole tiny tweaks over time because chances are small is already tired, overtired at bedtime. If we make too big a change for them, it's just going to take them much longer. They get overtired. So really, that's really why I do that whole tiny tweaks over time approach because that can help massively. Number three is if bedtime boundary... Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, question number three is, if bedtime boundary is feeding to sleep, how would this impact the night feeds? So, my whole approach, I like to think, um, again, being very honest, it's breastfeeding friendly. I wouldn't want to stop you ever feeding to sleep at bedtime if you didn't want to. I wouldn't want you to night wean or do anything that you didn't feel comfortable um, or happy doing. Um... So I'm going to be honest, because I always am, I don't know how um, changing the bedtime boundary is going to impact the nights. But what I can say for sure, because I see this all the time in practice, is that if your small needs a feed at night time, and um, so basically, if you change the bedtime boundary at bedtime, if your small really, really needs that feed at night time, it's not going to stop them calling out and requesting that feed and we're always going to give it to them as well if they need it. So to answer your question, bedtime, if the bedtime boundary is feeding to sleep, it can impact the night feed sometimes just by moving the boob up the bedtime routine, or the bottle or just it's not about stopping completely, but getting a break between it, that actually can have a massive impact on the night. Some I've it's rare this happens but I have had it I have done it in practice before where we've moved up a little bit and little one has night weaned completely by themselves we haven't pushed them um but at night time if they need a feed if they're genuinely hungry they want a feed they need a feed changing the bedtime boundaries is so so very unlikely to change that they'll ask for it and we can always give it to them so I hope that helps question number four I'm getting lost with the questions is what is the best way to get your small drowsy but awake (laughs) this is a common question drowsy but awake I very rarely say that word or that sentence so I've just said it twice in the last sentence there Um, because it is rarer than rocking horse poo getting your baby drowsy but awake and it can be very difficult to get that balance they're either wide awake or they are asleep especially for really really super young babies like babies under four months you it's very rare that you would get that drowsy but awake However, all smalls are different, you might notice that your small does do that, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong, there's anything wrong with your small if you see that, Um, but my whole approach, it isn't about getting them drowsy but awake, because that very, I just don't think that happens, you can move away from a bedtime boundary and support them to do a little bit more of the work, but when we're doing it, it, it's not about getting them to that elusive state, because sometimes... One, it very rarely exists and actually getting them to that point can actually be more frustrating than actually taking the time. Um, Because my approach is to, if we're going to work on bedtime boundaries, is to take that time and support them to fall asleep from awake if we're going to do it or we very gradually wean off what they need um, doing away with that drowsy and awake. So my answer to that is what is the best way to get to drowsy awake? I think my a really fair answer is if your small naturally does it, that's fine, but if they don't, I would again encourage you to lose that expectation of um, trying to get to that point because it's incredibly incredibly different D- difficult, not different, difficult uh question i'm lost with the question so i'm just going to go next question i didn't number them um do you think breastfeeding to sleep means more wake-ups at night time um i think this is the same as how they get to sleep impact does it impact frequent waking i i think it's really really important boobing to bed the boobs are never to blame Yeah I think it's really important that the boobs are never to blame, they're not a bad habit and if boobing to sleep at bedtime is working for you, it's working for your small, Um, there's absolutely no need to change that at all. Um, but to answer your question is, do you think breastfeeding to sleep means more wake-ups at night time? I think it comes back to there's no one-size-fits-all-small. So for the majority, no, that doesn't... Working or moving, um, stopping feeding to sleep doesn't necessarily help with the wake-ups at night time because it's, it's natural that babies' smalls um, have needs and feeds at night time. But... Um, but if it is, if it's super frequent waking, or for, um, for in some cases, yes, sometimes that is the missing piece. It's not that the boobs are to, that feeding sleep is to blame or a bad habit or anything like that. But sometimes breastfeeding can cause a bit of a bedtime boundary block. But again, would only change if a parent wanted to. Next question: Is it okay to have a different boundary with different parents? Absolutely, I think this is okay. Um, baby, it seems really logical, doesn't it? If they have one thing. With you, then that's what they need for another person, but different. It's 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 crazy. I think it comes back to babies are very adaptable, and it's very very common that they will have a different boundary. They'll fall asleep. Um, for a great example, breastfeeding to sleep with mum, but then dad will rock, cuddle them, um, or maybe even get them to sleep by themselves. They're all really different, and it's absolutely fine if it's it comes back to if it's working for you all as well. And again, if the only time i would change that or change and um i think the thing to remember actually that uh, this is a really good point is that nobody does anything exactly the same way anyway so it is natural that there's going to be some natural variation in how uh, you put your smalls to bed with your partner um But yeah, I would only change that if if it wasn't working for you or we felt that it was impacting the sleep. But I think that's very, very unlikely. So yeah, completely normal, completely natural to have different boundaries with different parents and if it's working for you all as well. Uh, Next question. When changing a bedtime boundary, is it normal for sleep to get worse before it gets better? Yes, absolutely yes. In not all cases, so I would probably say for probably the majority yes it might take them longer um to get to sleep at bedtime and it might take they might need a little bit more support while we're doing that um but the the change to the nighttime um It doesn't get worse before it gets better. We see an improvement straight away. However, again, all families, all smalls are completely different. And for some, when we're changing a bedtime boundary, the sleep can get a little bit worse before it gets better. But it is usually short term. And I think the way to tell is if there's no... If it keeps... Like if it starts off um, taking a long time and your little one looks tired when you're doing it and it, it's just it's taking longer and longer and longer and you've been going for four or five days chances are there might be a tweak that needs um looking at a bedtime and i won't know what that tweak is until i've spoken to you or had a look at your little one sleep story it's impossible to say what's going on um but yeah for the majority of smalls working on bedtime boundaries um especially i don't know what it's like if you're using the e course but definitely from the parents that i see in practice I, because i would only change a bedtime boundary or suggest i'd never tell a parent what they should or shouldn't be doing suggest changing the bedtime boundaries if i'm 99 sure that's why they're up at night time chances are we see improvements to the nighttime not straight away but it gets quicker and easier every night and there's some upward trajectory of improvement however for some changing the bedtime boundary it can get worse before it gets better and i'm always really honest i don't have a hundred nothing in life is a hundred percent guarantee and i'm always really honest about that there's no guarantee that if you do this and this and this this is what's going to happen because too many variables every family is different every small is different every sleep story is different um the most common reason why sleep is getting worse before they get better is that your one is getting more and more overtired and it comes back to what I was talking about before when we're making a change change is strange it's going to it feels unfamiliar it's going to take much longer um, feel small to settle to sleep at bedtime that's completely normal um but for some because it takes longer it means they're even more overtired so sometimes bringing bedtime slightly earlier um i wouldn't go crazy Ten, fifteen minutes um that can often be um a key to getting parent like moving you forward with that if that's what's happening and then the other one the reason why it gets worse at night time is sometimes when we're moving away from a bedtime boundary smalls can get temporarily sleep stuck at night time so we're moving away from the bedtime boundary at bedtime but then at night time when they wake up they can't quite get themselves back to sleep they don't know how to get themselves back to sleep um just yet and that can happen as well but it all does tend to settle down quite smoothly on its own given just a little bit more time. So to answer your question, when changing a bedtime boundary, is it normal for sleep to get worse before it gets better? Yes, absolutely, in some cases. Check they're not overtired first um bringing bedtime just starting settling them a little bit earlier can mean that they're settling a little bit quicker and they're not so overtired when they go down but if you are going and going and going with it and it's been four five six days and actually four five six days if it's you have to really gauge you're always in charge and in control of my approach so if you instinctively feel it's not working then I would park it and perhaps get in touch with me share your sleep story or or have a if, if a call is an option that's always an option um but I think if you are it's get like it's can there's a pattern to it it's just getting worse and worse and worse each night and it's been going on longer for seven days then I would definitely park it um but yeah any change is there's going to be um a period of adjustment uh, sometimes there's a little bit of resistance but the care it out is. it's usually comfortable it feels comfortable to parents and smalls as well and then this is the last question. How do I transition from feeding to sleep and not substitute it with something else, i.e. rocking? This is a brilliant question. They've all been great questions, by the way. I'm always so fair. They're all great questions, but this is brilliant because this is really at the crux of the carrot out approach and it's inevitable and it comes back. I can't remember when I mentioned it in the show, but my whole approach is to is always to encourage parents to let go of the expectation that you're going to go from feeding to sleep or rocking to sleep to them, propping them in their cot, saying goodnight, you know, patting them on the head. As some families I'm work, we say pat them on the head, walk out of the room, and they're going to be able to get to sleep or know how to get to sleep really super quickly. Because it's such a big change, especially feeding to sleep. It's, it is a biggie bedtime boundary doing that, and it is going to take time. So it seems very logical that... Um, to move away from um like to step it down might mean that you are moving from rocking to sleep instead instead of breastfeeding you're moving to rocking to sleep or holding to sleep it really logically it feels like you are um kind of swapping one bedtime boundary for the other and in a way 100% you are but from my experience sometimes just moving the boob up the bedtime routine and moving to rocking that's the key for some families to unstitching the unblocking the sleep cycles at night time and for some if we're not If it doesn't we're in a position then to maybe start supporting them to fall asleep in their cot and we can't do that whilst they're still feeding to sleep because it's impossible. Trying to put a baby down that's fed to sleep especially breastfed sleep in the cot it usually ends up in cot carnage because they don't know how to get to sleep without the breast it's too big a change. So to answer your question how do I transition from feeding to sleep and not substituting it with something else my approach is it's okay to substitute it with something else because my whole approach is we sleep step it down down, tiny tweaks over time move away from feeding to rocking first of all then rocking to holding and then getting them in into their cart. and yep it does take a little bit of time but most assumptions often the mother of all mess up so I don't want to make a massive assumption here but most families that are either listening to this or working with me or interested in any of my courses or listening to me on instagram they want to do they want an alternative to leaving their little one to cry and the trade-off is taking some time is that it, uh, the trade-off of taking the trade-off of um reducing the tears and making it manageable and comfortable for everybody and so they don't get overtired is that it can take a little bit of time um and it does mean stepping it down and logically, I think it's because there's so much out there that everything is just a bad habit, a rod for your own back or bedtime boundary and it's so natural to feel overwhelmed and go, oh my goodness, how am I going to go from here to there or how is this ever going to end? Um, but from my, I can only talk from my practice and experience of course, but from my experience that is the key is to is gently move through those steps and gradually change their bedtime boundary over time. So I really hope you found that useful. That's all the questions. Um, I tried to answer a broad range of questions there. I really hope you enjoyed the roundup of the bedtime basics and you enjoyed me going through those questions. If you are interested in... um, you know you, you're listening to this and you instinctively feel it could be your bedtime boundaries that's the missing piece for your small as i mentioned before at the beginning of the show i've got a bedtime boundaries e-course and it's really super it, it goes through what is a bedtime boundary but mo- more importantly it goes through all the tools that i share in practice it breaks it down into manageable steps for you to help make changes to your small's bedtime boundaries the caring way hope you all really enjoyed this show and i look forward to hearing you on the next episode Thank you so much for listening to me, your host, Kerry Secker, on The Carrot Out Sleep Show. I really hope you found the podcast reassuring, informative, and a little bit fun. If you did, please don't forget to subscribe to the show below. And I'd be so grateful if you could leave me some fabulous feedback. I always love hearing from you. And one lucky listener will win lifetime access to my Bedtime Basics e-course every single month. My next podcast episode will be out in two weeks' time. But if you can't wait for more of my sleep shizzle, you can find me over on Instagram at Consultant. I update my sleep squares and speak sleep there on the daily. Big love and sleep solidarity to you all.